You're listening to the weekly podcast of Hope Community Church, where we desire to see people transformed by the love of Christ. Join us as we study God's Word together. This delightful journey in the book of Hebrews, especially chapter 10, 11, and 12, talking about the heroes of faith. This week, one of the people I listen to whenever I have the chance is Pastor Tony Evans. And I'm listening to it on Tuesday, and he's starting a series of messages on Hebrews 11, Heroes of the Faith. I just can't believe that he was copying me. <laughs> I'm, I'm over it now, and, and actually stealing a few things that he said, because they were really good. I'm talking about Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says that faith is the substance of things that we hope for, but we can't see. That if what you believe has no substance, it doesn't matter how much you believe it, it doesn't really matter. But what we're being asked to believe, the substance is God's words. And so even though you can't see them, God spoke them and they're true. He goes on to say in verse 6 of chapter 11 that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not maybe. No, it's impossible. So why is he so bent on us having faith? Well, actually what's in question is the integrity of God. So when we choose not to believe, what we're saying is maybe God's not telling the truth. And so Tony Evans says it's really difficult to come to God and say, you know what, God, I I think you're actually a liar, but could I just ask you for a few things? So without faith, it's impossible to please God. So in these verses in this chapter, it's not only telling stories about people of faith, it's actually calling us to live by faith. He's not asking us to have faith every once in a while. He's actually asking us to live in a way that What Jesus says we believe to be true about everything. So we can't pick and choose when we believe God, and then when it doesn't help us, we choose to ignore him. Tony Evans says that's not living by faith, that's cherry-picking by faith. We're called to live by faith. Faith is acting on things that you cannot see, but that you know are true. Let me define it this way. Faith is acting like God is actually telling the truth. It's not a feeling. It's not an idea. It's actually acting on that as though it's true. Faith says, I am going to trust what Jesus says about everything. So let me start with a question this morning. Have you ever looked at somebody else at somebody else's story and said to yourself, you know what? If my story looked like theirs, it would be a whole lot easier for me to have faith. You don't have to raise your hand because I I know all of us have thought that. You're walking in a place and you see other people and you go, this would be so much easier if it looked like that. The verses that I want to look at this morning... 
beginning of chapter 12. So in the beginning of chapter 11, he's, he's talking about what faith is and that it's impossible to please God without faith. And he tells a story about a whole bunch of people that lived this out. And then chapter 12, he's, he's calling them and us to faith. So he's writing a letter to Hebrews And he's encouraging a bunch of believers that are facing really difficult trials to hold unswervingly to what they put their faith in, in in Christ. And in chapter 12, he turns now towards us and he exhorts us. He says, run with perseverance the race that is set out for you. So often we think, this would be so much easier if my story didn't. And the writer of the Hebrews is saying, actually, God is calling every one of us to walk in faith right in the place, not that Jason walks or that Bethany walks, where Joel walks. And in that place, to trust him. Remember the story after Jesus rose from the dead? Peter had denied him three times just on cue. Jesus said, this is what's going to happen. Boom, it happened. Peter, a few days later, is out fishing, and somebody comes to the beach and starts a fire and says, how's the fishing going? Uh, not so good. Been out here all night, and it, nothing. Throw the nets on the other side of the boat. That's, that's terrible to say to fishermen. Like, duh, we've been out here all night. But they did it, and, and the, the net had so many fish. And John says, I think it's Jesus. Peter jumps out of the boat, and he's dressing himself on his way to the beach, and he finds Jesus, and this conversation starts, and Jesus says to him three times, Peter, do you you love me? Of course I do. Jesus, seriously. Do you love me? Three times. Why three times? I think it was because he wanted him to know that what had happened was forgiven. It was done. Then he says to Peter, they, they kind of go on a walk, and they're having a conversation, and, and he, Peter says, Jesus, don't you know that I love you? And Jesus says, yeah, actually, I do. But I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, and you went where you wanted to. When you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you, and they will lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Jesus knew that Peter loved him. That's why he said what he said. He knew where that love for him was going to take him. Peter was going to be crucified just like Jesus upside down on a cross. That's what he's talking about. Peter hears it and he says, what about John? And Jesus says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. That's what the writer to the Hebrews is saying. He's saying that God has chosen a race for you. He's chosen one for me to run in. And what he's asking us is, right where he put us to trust him and to walk in faith. So, Hebrews chapter 11, 
It tells the story of really ordinary people from diverse and sundry backgrounds who beautifully honored God in the race that he marked out for them. Now in chapter 11, at the beginning, he says that faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we can't see. And then he says this, this is what the ancients were commended for. And then he tells a bunch of the stories about the ancients. This is what he's trying to say. Faith puts the resources of an extraordinary God into the skin of ordinary people like you and me that are really broken, and it ends up bringing him glory. That's what faith does. All of that stuff about God is already true. He's just looking for people to believe it. So let me read it to you. This is actually a translation uh, called The Message. You'll see the words on the screen. This is Hebrews chapter 12, the first few verses. He says this. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, don't quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sin. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race that we are in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed that exhilarating finish in, in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item that long litany of hostility that Jesus plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. In this all-out match against sin, others have suffered worse than you have, to say nothing of what Jesus went through, all that bloodshed. So don't feel sorry for yourselves. Or have you forgotten how good parents treat their children and that God regards you as his children? My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline. Don't be crushed by it either. It's the child that he loves, that he disciplines, the child he embraces, that he corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble that you are in isn't a punishment. It's training. Trouble you are in isn't a punishment. It's training. It's the normal experience of children. So, the times that it's most difficult to hang on to faith, he's saying, are the times that it doesn't make sense. The times when it's really difficult. Maybe the times that you're crying out to God for something. And, you, and he says, in those times, fix your eyes on Jesus. Here we go. Let's walk through it. He begins by saying that faith is, is believing something that you can't see. So what does that look like? Somebody does you really wrong. They hurt you profoundly. Jesus says, okay, that hurt. You need to forgive them. In fact, let me take that a step further. I'm going to invite you to bless them. 
you're looking at that and you go, yeah, I can't see that. That, that I don't see. Faith is saying, even though I can't see, that's what I'm going to do. The scriptures call us as followers of Christ to be givers. One of the things he asks of us is to give a tithe to him, to, to give generously to him. You look at it and you go, I like that idea, but where I'm living, I, I can't make ends meet. So you're asking me to give more. I can't see that. That's right. That's why they call it faith, because you can't see. He's asking you to just do it. And when you do it, you'll see. So that's what faith is. The initial act of faith that he asks us to, to have is to admit to him that, that we need him, that we're sinners, and to put our faith in what Jesus did. Again, it's forgiveness. You can't see it, but, but he's asking you to receive it. So, faith is putting your trust in things that your physical eyes can't see. But that doesn't mean that it's blind. In fact, in this text, he talks about if you're going to keep walking in faith, what are you supposed to look at? Well, there's three what I call stairs or glares of faith. Look at this, and it will keep you running. Here's the first thing he says, verse 1. He says, look back and remember. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he says, keep running. Here's the image. It's a race. It's like an Olympic race. If you've ever watched the Olympics, the last thing they do, I think it's called the decathlon. And... They do all these things, and then, and then they run this 26-mile thing, and the last part of it, you come into the stadium, and the stadium, everybody's cheering, and you run the last lap. Yes! That's the picture. So we're walking in faith. There's a whole stadium full of people going, keep running! Who are they? Well, in chapter 11, he lists a whole bunch of them. They're people that have trusted in what God said, who have followed Christ, and now they've crossed the finish line and they're cheering for us. Now, what if you could call one of them down out of the stands? And you could call them and say, Elijah, just between you and me, seriously, was it worth it? You would not find one person in the stands who would look you in the eye and say, oh, man, do I regret haven't trusted Jesus. But you will find people who go, I had no idea how amazing he is. So he said, you're surrounded by those people. Keep running. But it's not just people who have died and gone on. Each of us has been given a race to run in. And in that race, God puts people along, along the trail for you who who call you on in faith. In my life, I've had lots of those people that in his grace, he's put on my path. When I graduated from college, trying to figure out what I was supposed to do and what this is going to look like, and so I took a six-month thing with World Relief, went to Hong Kong and worked with Vietnamese refugees that were at that time pouring out of Vietnam, trying to find the next place to go. I was 22 years old. Working in this camp, there's literally thousands and thousands of refugees, most of them who've come on boats, who've lost everything. 
They're in just horrific conditions. It's just very humbling. In that camp, I found a small group of Christ followers. And one of them was a medical doctor, uh, Dr. Bob. I was 22. He was about 29, just a young guy. Lost lots of members of his family in the war. Now he lost his job, lost his country, lost everything. He's in Hong Kong, has no idea where he's going to land. That's depressing. But he wasn't depressed. In fact, every day when I would come, I would find him in the, there's these big barracks, and he would be going around praying with people, encouraging people. One day I came in, and I mean, I don't, I don't even remember what happened. I, apparently I wasn't looking too happy that day. He finds me, Joel, what's wrong? Can I pray for you? Can you pray for me? How, how do people like that? How, how is that possible? It's Jesus. There's people right here in this fellowship that call my faith on. We talked about this at prayer meeting Thursday night. Liz is not here this morning. Liz lives in, in pain every day, every hour. But when you talk to her, mostly she talks about Jesus. And how is that possible? That's, that's faith. That's believing in right now what you cannot see and trusting that it's true and hanging on. My brother is one of the heroes that I look to. He's a little bit older than me. He was a high school teacher in New Jersey. Felt like God was calling him to be in ministry and a pastor. And he got an invitation to go to this church in rural Canada, or Canada, Kansas. Canada, Kansas, it's all out there somewhere. <laughs> when I say rural, that's being really kind. I mean, this, this is like just out there. He married a girl from New Jersey, went to an Ivy League school, lived her whole life in New Jersey. Her family's like, are you losing your mind? What are you thinking? 27 years ago yesterday, they packed everything up and they moved to this little town out in Kansas. He's a bivocational pastor. He's been doing it for 27 years. Sometimes I look at him and I go, how do you do this every day? You get up every Sunday and preach. I mean, it's just, a, it's not a simple place. His wife passed away last year and we all went to Kansas for the funeral. The church was too small. So they took the, the gym and the high school and there are more people at the funeral than they live in the town. Why? Because they just love people and live out faith. And that's what the people in the crowd look like. They're just people who believed God and whatever he asked them to do and whatever he said, and they jumped in the story. Now, if you read Hebrews 11, the list of people that he lists it's a little bit strange. If you were picking a list of heroes of the faith, okay, Moses, I think we can all agree on. David, looking good. Abraham. But if you keep reading, there's a liar in there. There's a murderer in there. There's a prostitute in there. 
Some of you guys should be saying amen. That means there's room for us in the list. That's beautiful. God takes people like that, and the message is that it's not about the people, it's about God. And anybody who will trust him. So now these people who God has redeemed are on somebody else's list. God's using them to be testimonies of faith. And that's what he does to everybody that trusts him. Faith is not just doing these amazing exploits for God, although often he asks us to do things when you look at him, you go, ah, I don't know how to do that. And you put your foot out and he meets you there. But often it's just the courage to keep walking and trusting him no matter what. So, the writer of the Hebrew says, look behind you and remember, take courage, keep running. Then he says, look around you and release. Now, you, you won't see the word release in there, but I had to find something that started with R. So that, that's what we're going with. This is what he says. Look around you and the stuff that's keeping you from trusting and believing, it's not worth it. Let it go. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. What are the things that inhibit faith? Well, one thing he mentions is sin. The reason that sin is a problem is because faith is trusting what God said. Sin is thinking God doesn't know what he's talking about. I got this. I'm going to do it my way. Those two things have trouble walking together. So when we are not walking right, he says it makes us stumble. Distractions. There's just so many distractions. They can be even really good things. But if there's too many of them, you, you, you lose sight and you, and you, you trip talks about idols. Idols are things that we love too much, and it's all of us. Calvin says that we're all like these idol-making factories. We're just good at it. We, we just find stuff to trust in. So he's saying, you know what? If you're, if you're trusting more in your bank account than in God, you might have your faith meter pointed in the wrong direction. If you're looking for something to trust, to fulfill you, and it's not God, it's going to make you trip. So he says, look around you and be honest. The stuff that's, that's causing your faith, inhibiting your faith, get rid of it. I love the image. I'm not like this amazing runner, but I do run. Think about going out to the track and you're going to do your mile, and somebody hands you an 80-pound backpack. Hey, would you mind carrying this? Yeah, no, I already got 80 pounds that I'm carrying. I'm good. He's saying, don't take an extra backpack. Get rid of this stuff that's not helping you. Here's the last thing he says. Look forward and run. This is the way he says it. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race, that you're in. Look at Jesus. Keep looking at Jesus. Don't look at the, the circumstances. Don't look at... Just look at Jesus and walk. When you look at other things, 
the picture gets fuzzy. So he says, fix your eyes on Jesus and run. I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but Jesus lived by faith. You're going, wait a minute, I thought he was God. He, he was. But he chose to leave that behind and come as a human being and live fully human among us. So it says that everything that he did, he did by the will of the Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you remember the story, the last night before he died, he's in the garden, and he's talking to his father, and he says, Father, if there's any other way we can do this, can we have a conversation about that? And then he says this, not my will, but yours be done. That's faith. That's what faith looks like. I, I, I'm going with your plan. And it says this in Hebrews. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Did you ever think about the road to joy is through the cross? That's strange. It says that he scorned its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you don't grow weary and lose heart. The author of my faith and your faith suffered. When we suffer, he says, don't think that he's against you. You're his child. And when you walk through that place, it's actually your faith that's being strengthened. Receive it like that. And keep your eyes on Jesus. It's really, it, it seems so simple, but so profound. You, you come to Jesus, the one who spoke into being everything that you see. He said, faith is believing that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You come to him. God, I don't know what to do. God, you have, you're having a conversation with the God who spoke and everything is. I think you might be able to handle this one. Or... The pain that you're walking in just seems too heavy. He says, look at Jesus who endured the pain and went all the way to the cross and take courage and run. This is the way he closes it, verse 12 and 13. Don't sit around on your hands. Don't drag your feet. Clear the path for long-distance runners so no one will trip and fall, so no one will step in a hole and sprain their ankle. Help each other out and run for it. Make sense? Don't lose faith. The race set out before you, walk in faith. At the end of your outline in the bulletin or on the screen, you'll see, we're going to be talking next week about Enoch and Noah. So those stories are found in Genesis 5, 21 to 24, and chapter 6, verse 1 to 9, 17. I put it in there. If you want to read ahead, just looking at their story. Somebody said to me a couple weeks ago, Pastor, you talk about these books all the time. I can't write them down fast enough. Would you just write them in there? So I wrote down a couple books. He says, since you've been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, keep running. Well, 
I'm encouraging you today to add to the, the witnesses around you. Like when you see people who are just examples of faith, look at them and run. But also, there's some really great people that have gone before us, some that are still walking among us. So I put a few of these. These are biographies, just people of ordinary people of great faith. A.B. Simpson was the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance. His story, you can get it on uh, the CMA website. Johnny Erickson Tata, the story of her life is an unforgettable story. George Mueller, man of unbelievable faith. Just a simple guy who literally fed thousands of orphans, all by faith. Autobiography of George Mueller. Nabil Karish, uh, Qureshi, sorry, Nabil Qureshi. He passed away about a year ago, delightful preacher, man of God, seeking Allah, finding Jesus. Charles Colson, Tony Dungy, Corey Tenboom. Read stories about people that are witnesses that will call out to you. So, conclusion. Be part of the cloud. I'm not talking of like the iCloud or whatever. <laughs> whatever that thing is or wherever it is out there, that's not what I'm talking about. But I think what this text is saying is that God gives us each a race to run it. And when you, it doesn't mean your faith is perfect, but you run in that race in faith where you are, God will make you part of a cloud for other people who will look at you and go, okay, we can do this. He's inviting you into the cloud. God is glorious. He is he is so far beyond us. He is so beautiful. He is so holy. How will people know that? Well, when they see people that believe that enough that they entrust their lives to him, then they'll stop and ask themselves the question, who is this God? Get in the cloud. Just be somebody who takes God at his word. It's an amazing thing that happens. When we walk through really difficult places, we always have a choice. You can choose bitterness. Like, why is my story like this? Look at that guy's story. You know what? You don't know anybody else's story. Everybody's story has plenty of pain. But in that place... You can also, even when you don't understand, fix your eyes on Jesus and cry out to him. And when he meets you in that place, all of a sudden, you see and know things about him that you would have never known otherwise. And this beautiful song starts to sing through you. And you become part of this cloud of witnesses that will one day sing together around his throne. So, the writer to the Hebrews says, since you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, throw off the junk and run with perseverance the race that is set before you. Father, thank you. Thank you that by faith, 
we can have access to your very person. We can be forgiven and made right with you. And so, as we gather now around this table that reminds us of what you suffered for us, may it call us even deeper to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that God will use this message to draw you deeper into a meaningful relationship with Him. Hope Community Church is located in Olmstead Falls, Ohio. If you would like to find out more about our church, please visit us at hopeolmstead.org.